Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March the 28th, and our chapter for today is 1 Samuel chapter 17, David and Goliath in the Valley of Ella. Yes, the Valley of Decision, whether it was going to be the Lord's victory or the enemy's victory. Let's pick up on the narrative. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to do battle. That's the reason armies get together, is to do battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephesdamon. Now the Valley of Elah is an east-west valley in the Shephelah, the foothills, of the great mountains of the western ridge of the Jordan Valley. That is where Hebron, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Shiloh to the north, and all of those great towns that we read about where Abraham went from Beersheba all the way to Shechem. And as they came down off of those mountains to the west, they came into what was called Philistine territory. Now, the Philistines have nothing to do with the Palestinians. They are not even related. The Philistines were people, sea people, Minoans, Cretans, people from the islands of Greece that came to what is modern-day Israel. During the days of the judges, they had to deal with them. And when the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, they hit the Philistines head on because they had just moved into the area. And so the Philistines, whose god was a dog, a fish, Dagon, who had the head of a fish and the body of a man, and they believed that he was the god of the coastal plains and that Yah, who was the god of the Jews, was the god of the mountains. And so when they met in the valleys, in the foothills, the Shephelah, that's where the battles took place. And you can just read about this in the scriptures. The Philistines rarely ventured into the mountains because that was a spiritual, a supernatural thing to them that they wanted the advantage down in the valley. So King Saul and all of his armies gathered at Soko. Today, that's where the beautiful purple and blue lupines grow on Soko. Uh, for those of you who have been to Israel during all the seasons, especially the springtime, and Azekah is on a high hill, and the uh, Ella Valley is below, and it's called the Ella Valley simply because the Ella Stream, which is a dry wadi, a dry riverbed, runs right through the middle of it. And that's where David would later get his stones to sling at Goliath and slay him. So the Bible says that the Philistines stood on the mountain on the other side, that's Azekah, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side of the valley, and the valley was between them. So the Philistines were on Azekah, and the Israelites were on Soko, closest to the mountains. 
And the scripture says, a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gat, we say Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, a cubit is 18 inches. My forearm is an exact cubit. That means I'm an average man because a cubit is from the tip of your longest finger to your elbow, and the average man is 18 inches. Now, a royal cubit would be five inches longer than that, sometimes would be four. That's the width of a man, the back of his hand is four inches, so you would have 22 inches as a royal cubit. That is the length of a man's forearm to the tip of his longest finger plus the width of his hand. That was a royal cubit, but a regular cubit was 18 inches. A span was nine inches. So that means that Goliath was approximately nine feet and nine inches, almost 10 feet tall. That's a pretty good size guy. And evidently he was a man of girth and had a lot of strength and muscle. And so he would go out, and he was armed, and he had all of his armor on him. And the scripture says, now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. (laughs) 600 shekels. His armor weighed about 125 shekels. Pounds. Now think about this. This is absolutely incredible. The spearhead weighed about 17 pounds. Now this was a hoss of a man. And so David, on the other hand, was a teenage boy. So I want you to just get the idea here about this because this is an amazing feat. And so the scripture says, that they would come out and line up like we would during the days of the Civil War. That was the ancient way to fight. You would line up, and then you would go at it. And uh, sometimes the champions of each one, of each army, would come and fight, and then they would represent the team, so to speak, or the side, depending on how quickly the champion was defeated as to whether the others would stick around and fight or not. Now, David, according to verse 12, was the son of Jesse. He was from Bethlehem of the area of Ephrat or Ephratah, as it's called in the New Testament. He was an old man. He had eight sons. David was the youngest. His three oldest sons went to battle with Saul. So as they would be away for uh, sometimes weeks at a time, the scripture says that Jesse said to his son David, take now your brothers an ephah of this dry grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers are, are doing and bring back news to me. I'm concerned about them. Now Saul and all the men of Israel were gathered in the valley of Elah and they were fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. He was an obedient son. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle, for 
Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array army against army, and David left the supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, and he ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Verse 23, Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gat, Goliath was his name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines and spoke according to the same words that he always had. So David heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. I'm sorry, this is just, I can just see this happening. All of these soldiers and here comes this guy who's almost 10 feet tall and they take off running. They flee. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Now that was a big haul. And David spoke to the men who stood by them and said, now, Would you tell me that again? Help me out here just a little bit. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? David said, tell me one more time what will be done for the man that kills this guy because he needs a killing. He needs to be shown whose God is God. He is defying the God of Israel, and he needs to be taught a lesson. And the people answered to him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And they went over it again. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. you know why? Because he wasn't doing anything. And here was his younger brother coming up with great courage. So he had to be condescending and said, With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. By the way, he didn't. Because that wasn't David's pride. It wasn't the insolence of his heart. That was a judgment. God said his heart was pure. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Now, this is an interesting phrase. What have I done now? So this was a common practice with his brothers. Always telling him what he was doing wrong. Always telling him that he needed to get back with the sheep. Always telling him that he doesn't belong with the men folks. So David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Now, that's the way it's translated, is there not a cause? And boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, that really sounds, don't we love to, is there not a cause? That's not what it says. What the scripture says is, is there not a debar, a debar, a word? Isn't there some guidance from God on this? Isn't there a clear word from God on this? Hasn't God spoken to us about what we need to do to men like this? Is there not a word from God on this? And if there is a word from God, why aren't we obeying it? Those are pretty good questions for us to ask ourselves, everyone today. In every circumstance we come up against, we need to ask, is there a teaching from God? Is there a debar? Is there a word from God? If there is, what is it? Somebody please tell us, this is what America needs to hear. This is what the nations of the earth need to hear. What does God say? Is there a word from God? If there is, let's get on with doing whatever he says because he wins in the end.
So David was looking for a word from God, and these other brothers of his and the armies of Israel were looking for a champion. Well, David already had a champion, and his name was Yah. David wasn't the champion, but he knew the champion. He knew the great God of the universe, and he said, is there not a word? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, that kind of courage is contagious. So when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. So Saul sent for him, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because of this Philistine. I mean, my soul, what's going on here? And Saul said to David, you are not able to go fight against this Philistine. You cannot fight with him, for you're just a boy. You're a teenager. And this man has been a warrior from his youth. And you know what David did? He called on his experience and his history, not on the battlefield with other soldiers, but alone in the wilderness with God and the wild animals. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. Now, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, but one that will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God? Moreover, David said, I love this. I love this sentence. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The reason David was so confident is because he couldn't have done what he did with a lion and a bear without the strength of Almighty God, without the courage that he infused within him. And what God has done in the past in silence and in quietness and in the wilderness, when you've walked with God and when you've defeated the enemy, when no one's looking. That is the kind of person that behind closed doors walks with God, that God says, now you have been faithful in a place where nobody could see. Now I'm going to let you trust me and win a great victory where everybody can see. That's the way God works. And Saul said to David (laughs) when he heard that, (laughs) I love it, go and Hashem, the Lord, Yahweh be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put on a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And and David said, I cannot walk with these for I've not tested them. In other words, I can't go out there and fight with this guy. This is not my native dress. Look, you're going to have to turn me loose and allow me to do what I do to fight with the weapons that God has made me familiar with. There are so many lessons As those of you who are listening to this have been in the military and have been in battle and have been in training in in whether it's Krav Maga or whether you've been out in the martial arts or you've done something in training with the the Marines or Special Forces or, or whatever you've done, you know that David did everything right. He knew the terrain better than the enemy. He knew what he was good at and what he wasn't. And he was aggressive. He wasn't just playing defense. He was taking the offense. He caught the enemy by surprise. All of the 
these things. He he certified and made sure of the kill when he cut his head off. That wasn't David being cruel. That was David making sure he's dead. Why? Because you don't kill an enemy and make sure of the kill, then that's a good way to be killed as you walk through the wounded. And so as David approached him, the scripture said that he took off everything that Saul put on him. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch that he had, and the sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, and good-looking, just exactly the way God described him. So the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog? Now what are you doing out here? That you come to me with sticks. You've got a staff and you've, you've got a sling. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day, Yah, Yahweh, Hashem, the God of Israel will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David had the right motives. David had the right weapons. David had the right courage. David was right on and God used him. And we are still talking about this 3,000 years later. Wow, what a God we serve. Why do we fear? Why do we fear? The scripture says they were shattered with fear when Goliath came out. David wasn't looking at the size of Goliath and looking at his own strength. He was looking at the size of his God and Goliath. And Goliath was like a pencil, less than a used pencil standing in a field. And David struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, which, by the way, was very heavy, and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut his head off with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They always do. Now the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley of the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharim even as far as Gat and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his own tent. What an amazing story. What an amazing man. What an amazing God. Is there not a word? For on the way, this is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. 
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.